Uh, hey, Lydia. Hey, Tay. Um, does it, does this mean that we now have to start pronouncing Anthony Antony? No. <laughs> Calling Cards Podcast. I'm Lydia. And I'm Tay. This is a podcast about Bridgerton, the Netflix and Shondaland series based on the Regency romances by Julia Quinn. And today we're talking about season one, episode one, Diamond of the First Water. Wow, we made it here. Listeners, we made it through all the books and we made it through all the trailers and we made it past Christmas and we made it to the Bridgerton series on Netflix. <sighs> We have made it to the highlight of 2020. <laughs> she says with understatement. Oh yeah. my gosh, finally. And it's here and it is glorious. Yeah. A very Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrated and a very like bang in December to everyone who didn't. Yep. I regret I regret using that. That's a that's an unnecessary verb. <laughs> um <laughs> the point is, I just, you know, in the in the spirit of Richardson, um the point is, here we are. Yeah, um, the thing that has astounded me about this show is how many people are watching it. Yeah. I when this was first announced, I never in my wildest dreams that it would never never thought it would get this much attention. Oh, I totally did. <laughs> I just I don't know what to ex- I didn't know what to expect, but I don't think I expected this where it it is. It is number one in the U.S. on Netflix today, which is crazy talk. Like, this is exactly what I expected. I'm just saying, because <laughs> like, I I, I don't know, it's didn't gold. expect it. Yeah, it it is gold, but yeah. it is still a romance, and we know how much romance has been maligned in you know the media and everything, and yes. how it still is maligned. Yeah, so I truly didn't expect it to be this popular yeah um i'm very excited that it is and it's so much fun to have friends texting me that i haven't heard from in a while they're like oh my god have you watched bridgerton and i'm just like duh that's awesome that's awesome i mean it's a romance but it's a romance with a big budget and a big name behind it you know shondaland yes. production so I, that's that's where i got my hopes up but um yeah it's 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 a really fun spirit to get to like call friends and then have them be like okay so you know what's your take on it and it's like oh gotta watch it so good yeah okay. uh yeah so um obviously you can kind of tell from our enthusiasm that we did enjoy it um we are going to be talking about this episode in this episode and not the rest of the season I-, I think we'll be making some references to um like vague things that aren't spoilers throughout the series as a whole sort of talking about like maybe um themes and costumes stuff like that but you don't have to worry about spoilers. I'm assuming everyone did like what we did and everyone else did and binged it. But we're going to be respecting you anyway and assuming that we're just focusing on this episode. Because otherwise we'd be here all day. So it's going to be basically yes. spoiler free. Um, we won't even spoil things that were in the book. We'll just try to no. keep keep it keep it tight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I... 
Yeah, I love the show. I thought it was great. It was really brilliant. And I think this first episode set it up very well. Yeah, I agree. Sitting down uh, for me the day after Christmas with my mom to watch this, it just felt so escapist and so beautiful and glittering and not real life. It was a really fun experience for me to get to enter enter into this episode and just sort of be sucked in and dazzled and just taken out take like transported what are you laughing at i'm laughing at you were transported when i watched this listeners i was watching it in my parents living room because that's the only place where we can currently socially distance and watch television together (laughs) and of course my dad had to offer his commentary on bridgerton finally my sister and i just were like you know what dad they all turn into vampires and werewolves at the end (laughs) spoilers everyone it's not a supernatural show (laughs) and he just was uh, i was so ready to just smack him upside the head by the time all of this was said and done um and he's like so this is like downton abbey huh and i was like it's better than downton abbey (laughs) um and my my sister finally was like you don't like it because it's his it's not historical dad or something and my dad's like i liked a couple episodes of downton abbey and i was like i think you may like making fun of it (laughs) you liked making fun of it more Uh um my dad my dad called it downtown abbey every time yeah that's what my dad called it too such a clever thing (laughs) <laughs> and so um I, like listening being able now to that i'm back at my place and i'm watching it without my uh yeah. dad's commentary is <laughs> is much better Fair enough. um and i can i can enjoy this and not feel like awkward that i'm watching this show in my parents house mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hey i feel you <laughs> but um i but again i'm now enjoy i am enjoying it um, although it was really fun to keep telling my dad, oh, yep, nope, they're going to change the, the, that vampire and that werewolf. They're coming. <laughs> they're coming. You know, he, the, that potion they're drinking, that's good. Oh that, that's going to prevent them from being the vampire. Like, it just. Did, she, did he believe you at all? Uh, he knew, we were, he knew okay. we were kidding with him. Okay. But... That's pretty funny, though. Um, so I think we've both watched the first episode twice. Is that a fair assessment? Unless you've snuck in another watch. <laughs> No, I was going to attempt to sneak sneak in another watch because my mind has just not been great the yeah. last couple of days. But um no, yeah, I've only watched the first episode twice. Oh, you've only watched it twice. What a slacker. Guys, uh listeners, <laughs> can you handle Lydia? She's only watched it twice. I don't think she's an expert. Uh I have watched it an entirety of two times, so I am an expert. Um so you're welcome. <laughs> anyway, uh Lydia, do we have any social media to uh we do actually um uh our listener uh kaya um on twitter has tweeted at us some of her husband's reactions to bridgerton (laughs) i'm gonna try to keep the really spoilery ones uh, because a lot of them are kind of pertaining to like the later episodes of the season great but um i some of these are pretty great uh my this is one of uh hubs this is just softcore porn. Mm. Me. The little uh, kind of shrugging shoulders emoji. <laughs> and then um, R.E. the Featheringtons. They stand out like a sore thumb. I hear it. R.E. Sienna the opera singer. She keeps popping up. Oh, look, more softcore porn. <laughs> um, And then the other ones I can't say because they, uh, mm-hmm. um. We'll get back to that. 
yeah, we'll get back to this thread. It's pretty great, though. The last one is is great. Um, so, so if you, but, if you don't yeah. mind spoilers, you can go check out our Twitter and, and see what Kaya has said. But uh, if you do mind spoilers, just wait and we'll tell you later. Yeah. Much later. So, um, so that's kind of it for uh, listener tweets. Oh, okay. But uh, overall, I've, again, I've had a lot of people who've texted me and said they've really enjoyed watching the show. It's awesome. Which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, so, hey, listeners, this format is new to us since we're moving from books to episodes, obviously. We're uh, most definitely figuring it out as we go, as you will hear. Um, so if there's a segment that you'd like to hear, that, something that you'd like us to do, let us know and we'll consider adding it in for the next uh, few episodes. Absolutely. That being said, we do have some segments we've thought of. <laughs> Drum roll, please. First off, best dressed of the episode... Lydia, what do you have? I, I've been doing this in threes, so I don't know if you are more um, discerning than me, but do you want to start us off? Yeah. Um, oh, so best dressed. Uh, mm-hmm. Lady Danbury. Woo! Number one. <laughs> Lady fucking Danbury. Oh, I love her so much. Okay. Um. Yeah. So number one, Lady Danbury. Number two, the Duke of Hastings. Simon is particularly well dressed. I love it so mm-hmm. much. Um, and then uh, I think number three would be have to be Lady Vi. Lady Vi really? is particularly. She's very understated, which okay. I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I do like what they put her in. Mm-hmm. It's very mom, but like. Elegant. You know, elegant, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, nice. Okay, so we hadn't discussed this ahead of time, listeners, but my best dressed is Lady Danbury. She's yes. the winner. I took a few notes. I, obviously, I'm not going to talk about every outfit, but specifically, like, the... Uh, well, first of all, when we first see her, the deep red. Oh, my gosh. Then the opera outfit she wears, like, silver with, like, the red flowers and the, like, collar that comes up. Oh, my gosh. She's like a queen. And then... Uh, more and more and more deep reds, and then um the the like Vauxhall look that she has at the end, where she looks like freaking like I don't know Queen Elizabeth the first. Um, yes, Lady Danbury, and then my number two is is Daphne. I thought they did a, a a lovely job with her. I love that her signature color is this like frost blue. It's very flattering. It's very I think fitting for the era because it would have all been white. So I think it, it's a nod to like those soft colors. Um, I like the flower theme that they have with her and the way they make it. It's very pretty, very flattering. She never wears anything twice. Um, her hair is lovely. So yeah, I, I have to say her. Number three is absolutely Simon. He is killing it. He is dashing as hell. He's got these amazing, I, I'd say like, I want to say like brocade waistcoats, but I forgot to Google to make sure that I'm correct in the words that I'm saying. So definitely trust me as your authority, folks. Um Oh my gosh, he just, he looks great and he stands out uh, with his clothes as well as everything else, <laughs> like his attitude and du- dukiness. Um, I will say that I'd actually like um, to do an honorable mention for Best Dressed, which is Portia Featherington. Not what I thought I'd say. Here's here's, <laughs> here's my thing. She wears all these jewel tones and she makes her daughters wear them, plus yellow. But what looks horrific and fluorescent on her daughters half the time looks extremely flattering on her. Like, I think there's like this deep, gorgeous iridescent purple that she wore. Amazing. Even like some of the florals that she wore looked really good. I mean, bright and loud, but very good. Uh, so she doesn't seem to have taste for her daughters, but she she gets it for herself, in my opinion. Her clothing is 
gorgeous. Some of it's also, awful, but some of it's really good. It is. Um, I would also like to say, um, I love the actress that plays Mrs. Featherington. Yeah. She is fantastic and so wonderful. Oh. Uh, Polly Walker. Um, I had, I had started, I had watched a show like several years ago called Prisoner's Wives, which had, um, Gemma, I can't remember her, Gemma something. Atherton? Wow. Is that a real name? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember her. It's not Gemma Arrington. It's, you know what? I'm not going to try to remember because I can't remember her last name. Is it Um, Gemma Atherton? Arderton? No. Uh, no, it's not her. Okay. We're going to just ignore um, that then. Or just ignore that. Yep. Uh, J- and then Jonas Armstrong from um, BBC Robin Hood. And it's, you've never seen BBC Robin Hood? No. Hey! <laughs> oh my God. It's a train wreck, but it's a delightful train wreck to watch. You know what I need to go watch? I need to go watch uh, Carrie Elway's Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> this is like... This is like if you combined Costner's Prince of Thieves uh-huh. with Elway's <laughs> Are you Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> but then you throw the BBC on top of it. And again, right. it's a it's a delightful train wreck. And okay. I enjoy it so much. <laughs> and it's a lot of people like got their kind of like start on that show. Um Henry or Anyway, yeah. We're not here to talk about BBC yeah, Robin Please Hood. don't name off people that I have to We're pretend not going to Thank you. But then um, Polly Walker, but then on this other show, Prisoner's Wives, um, Polly Walker and Ian Glenn from Game of Thrones are on it. And they play this couple that he's kind of been, he's the, the husband who's in prison that she goes to visit is, uh-huh. um, he was a drug kingpin. And then um, basically his all of his assets get seized by the government. Mm-hmm. And problems ensue but Mm -hmm. god is she glorious oh and then her dad is also uh, um filch from harry potter so like it's it's this show it's not like the greatest writing it's it's highly amusing though and so her character on that show is really great i just watched a couple episodes of it last week because i for some reason was thinking about it for other reasons Mm -hmm. and then started watching i was like oh my god she's in bridgerton yeah well she i didn't know any of that but she was good as um, so, Lady Featherington. She's with Red. And then um, the woman who plays Lady Vi is in the show Home Fires, uh, which is about the war effort during the 1940s um, in England. And she is fantastic as well. Awesome. So, um, yeah, a lot of these actors and actresses uh, are kind of staples. At least some of the, old, the older, act- older actresses and the older actors <laughs> are uh, staples within the BBC world if you watch a lot of BBC television, like I do. Excellent. Uh, so that was Best Dress, everyone. And a tangent. Imagine that. Oh, spoiler alert just came up from the library for me. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Someone's going to be reading today. Um. All right. That was Best Dressed. Now it's time for Best Undressed. That's right. I mean, is there anything to say other than the Duke of Hastings? Yeah, I, have, I apologize, everyone, for this being a very um, objectifying segment. Uh, it was my idea. It just it felt right. Um, yeah, so my I, I my top three are Simon, Sienna, and Anthony, but it's obviously just Simon, <laughs> Duke of Hastings. 
I mean, I wasn't mad at the Sienna and Anthony. No, I didn't think you were. Undressness. <laughs> but it's very artistic I mean, much of the time. It is, but when you compare it to Simon's undressedness, True. And it is it is a It's just easy him shirtless <laughs> sitting in bed as Lady Whistledown talks, right? I think so. Yeah. It was excellent. It was excellent. I, I will say great. I I did I did like the moment when Sienna like throws Anthony into the wall. I thought that was some good television right there. I had in my notes I was like really confused because it said watch again. I was like, why would I say watch again with the scene? Oh, because once again they're having sex and Anthony's looking at his watch. I understand how my brain works. Um, yep. Okay. So then, oh, sad. We have to talk about who wore it worst. Um, the Queen's fashion or Featherington fashion? I'm giving mine to poor Penelope. You have my heart poor and soul, Penelope. Penelope. But you don't look flattering in yellow. In oh. those god-awful yellows. And she knows it, too, because she's so smart. <sighs> poor Pen. Um. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about this later, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're just kind of sort of starting the the journey of Penelope, and it's it's already kind of heart wrenching watching her just in this first episode, yeah, um, with the presentation to the queen. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna wholeheartedly disagree with you yes, on what the is queen's it? wardrobe <laughs> because it's fabulous. It's fabulous. <laughs> she looks like fabulous. a cake. <laughs> that I mean, she's a queen. She can look like a cake. All right. All right. <laughs> She may look like a cake, but God damn it, she wears it well. <laughs> all right, all right, I will give you that. Uh, uh, the wigs that they put that woman oh in my are gosh. so phenomenal, <laughs> and I love it. Um, love it. M- mad props to the actress for like I don't know neck strength. <laughs> I don't right? know, what do you call it? <laughs> e- extreme posture, like right? Yeah, champion oh wig God. wearing. The actress shared a video of the makeup team, no. like, unfurling one of those wigs. Oh, my gosh. And it legit, each strand was, like, woven, was in, like, a um, like a curl holder. They called it the, Beyon- the Beyonce wig. <laughs> and so they had to go through and cut all of these, like, things off. And, it, I mean, it, she, they, it was, like, a time-elapsed video. And it looked like it took for freaking ever. Sounds, I, so, I bet you could buy a, a, a moderately priced used car for the price of a, one of those wigs. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> but, um, <sighs> but yeah, the, the guy that did all the wigs, he did all the wigs for the queen. And wow. she shared some of the kind of behind the scenes. And again, it just kudos to the hair and makeup people on this show. I can't echo that enough. Um, especially in terms of Queen Charlotte (laughs) yeah but also um, Daphne and everyone else in the braids Daphne's hair with her braids and the like half up half down and the like um, flowers in her hair I mean it looked gorgeous in every single scene she had a different hairdo and it was fitting to the scene and the character and the plot and the dialogue and it was gorgeous Um, yeah I agree huge props to that huge props um I will say the one character that I thought was in terms of hair, um, Marina's hair is so gorgeous. Yeah. Just like the natural way that it just sits and mm-hmm. like frames her face. Yeah. It is perfect. It was it was so gorgeous. The way that they styled it to like frame her face specifically and make her look like she is not part of the ton she yeah. is a country girl that's a good eye Lydia and it's 
and it never changes throughout the series. It is always kind of in this more less um mm-hmm. like less confined. Not, less confined. Uh-huh. That's a good word for it. Um which I mean compared to the Featheringtons in general, <laughs> that's not hard to do. Yeah. But um Marina's hair, I just it was so gorgeous. I loved it so much, especially when they put the flowers in. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. good eye. She um, was gorgeous, but in like such a like a fresh and understated way, which of course you yes. you have to do when you're with the Featheringtons. Like her simplicity just like made made her like, like almost literally shine. So yes, really satisfying to see the look on Lady Featherington's face when Marina walks in and. Penelope says we're all thinking she's gorgeous <laughs> or beautiful or whatever Penelope says. Don't expect me to quote things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So clearly we're happy about all that. Um, I, I don't think I can refrain from talking about costumes more throughout this, but that's essentially it. Basically, it was just everything was so beautiful. The clothes were so beautiful and so detailed. And even characters that were just in the background got really detailed, beautiful, distinct um, dresses and even the men's clothes were interesting which let's be honest that often doesn't happen and it's it's a shame <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that and and the matrons the older women got interesting clothing and clothing that was different from the younger women so I ugh, just adored it it was great yeah no I completely agree cool so good you better agree um <laughs> uh okay so Lydia what's next uh musical piece um, because the music in this show is phenomenal. Um, I, I'm a huge Maroon 5 fan. And the fact that they used Girls Like You by Maroon 5 as a classical piece was gorgeous. I loved that. Um, so that made me really excited about this show. Thank was You Next was okay. It was wasn't that- this episode. Okay. I loved Thank You Next. I thought that was so fun. Uh, I-, I thought both of them, th- they were honestly like the only, almost the only songs I recognized in this series, which I was a little embarrassed about, but I loved the Maroon 5 and I-, I really loved the Ariana Grande one as well. I'm not a huge Ariana Grande fan, so like it was fun that her sh- her song made it into the show, but for me, the the big one was the fact that girls like you yeah. um, uh, made it in, so yeah, no, I-, I adore I- that's both really of fun. them. Um, I think that's a fun song, Ariana Grande song, but like... It also would have been fun in sort of a, like a re- revenge sort of scene. Not revenge, but you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Like, but no. But it it's definitely fun to have a ball and to have like recognize these violin strings. And I loved it. I thought they did it so well. And um, they, I don't. What I liked was that the show didn't overwhelm us with instrumental pop songs. It, it ca- yes. very carefully chose a, a specific couple for you know reasons, mm-hmm. and then that was it. And in an hour yeah. of TV. Those two songs really stood out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I was gonna say before we continue. Yes, there was a really good analogy that I sent you, and of course now I can't find it. It was on Twitter. Oh. Um, uh, about Bridgerton. Uh, <laughs> I of course managed to screenshot this without the person's like Twitter handle, um, but I can see her name her twi- at her at you know i see her twitter handle i just don't see like her full name that she has like listed on twitter so at nicola m davidson wrote uh one hilarious thing about bridgerton reviews all those acting like this is a completely modern sexy take on regency society rather oh. than an rather than accuracy for once 
The real-life Regency was wild, people. Wild. Publishing in Austin Adaptions did you wrong with that white, straight, G-rated. Yeah. (laughs) And then somebody replied to them, at Twisted Ingenue, replied to this person and said... Bridgerton is a knight's tale for the Regency period, accurate in the ways that really matter using modern expressions, particularly music, to help us understand historical reality. <sighs> yes, 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 That's a great yes, analogy. yes. That's a great analogy. Um, yes, I 100% agree with that. That it's a great way to compare. A Knight's Tale is one of my favorite movies. And yeah, it the way that they're doing Bridgerton works really well. Yeah. To totally convey, agree. again, what really matters about the time period. But, um... While remembering that we're a modern audience. And we're, we we'll remember an- Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I will say, just, so. like, keep in mind that um, the Victorians censored a lot of Regency, like, history and culture. So what we... Mm-hmm. The idea we have of the Regency, yes, comes from Jane Austen, but also comes from the Victorians, who weren't in Regency England either. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good, yeah. So that's um. I saw and I don't. I can't cite anything. Sorry, but uh, I did see a showrunner person saying that this is like yes, it's historical fiction, but it's not a historical show. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a good point. I was also like, when is any historical fiction like actually like truly historical? You know what I mean? It's always about the era yeah. that it's being um created in. And it's you know what's really funny is f- f- considering this show takes so many liberties with historical details which again these are not real people it's not real circumstances and the story is not uh something that actually happened so who cares um i was like really nitpicky about like weirdly specific things that weren't accurate and i was like annoying myself (laughs) um but we'll we'll talk about that eventually that's again nitpicking it's not like actually being annoyed with it or anything like that i thought they did such a, a great job and and it's fun to see like what yeah what matters what what do we keep with the historical setting and what do we um, play with? So, but we'll talk more about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I thought really quickly because we did this with the books, um, the tropes for this episode are best friend, sister and fake relationship, which should surprise no one who read the book or listened to our, our episode on the book. Yeah. Uh, Let's very, very briefly uh, introduce the characters, Lydia. All right. So, um, it's funny on this list. You've listed everybody except for Simon. <laughs> oh. Well, we're lucky I listened to anyone at all. <laughs> well, for for heaven's sakes, oh he's kind of an important character. <laughs> doop just, doop just maybe. Uh, what's our, what what was that book called again? <laughs> the uh, that one guy and I. <laughs> oh, all right. I will say this morning I got up and looked at my notes and I read the word theme as the me. So that's where I am today, everyone. Okay. Right. So there's Simon, Duke of Hastings. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, yes. Simon, the Duke of Hastings. Uh, We have Daphne Bridgerton, uh, Lady Violet Bridgerton, who is the Dowager Viscountess. Um, And I know I'm pronouncing that right. Do I care? No. <laughs> we had a whole discussion about it. You want to hear about it? Go listen to the episode about the the Viscount and I. <laughs> all right, and we have all um, the Bridgerton siblings. Yep, uh, Anthony, Benedict, Colin, Eloise, Francesca, Hi Gregory, and Hyacinth. I'm I like, know. Oh my I god! I always put Hyacinth first too. Um, 
Because he may be older, but she's taller, as we learned. Yes. Uh, can I just interject um, briefly and say <laughs> that I'm already falling in love with Benedict, who is one of my favorite characters yes. from the book. And he's just, he, he and Lady Violet are who you want to watch for their reaction shots throughout this series, season. Um, delightful. He's a sort of, at this point, Benedict's kind of this mild background character and just a delight. That's all I'll say about that. Um, and I would also <laughs> like to say that Eloise yes. is by far my favorite character in this series. Eloise so is far. a delight. I, I she, enjoyed her honestly more than the books. Um, not slamming oh, 100%. her, but... Yeah. They softened um, some and, of her edges and, and really brought her to the forefront. They put her more in this season than they did in the book, and it definitely works. It works really well, and... Um, and this is in later episodes, but they did bring specific dialogue from other books. Yeah, I noticed into that into this season for Eloise and mm-hmm. Benedict specifically. Yeah, and we'll talk about that when, it's when we time. get to that, those episodes. <laughs> but it like I literally was just like like shaking in my chair with excitement, and I said to my sister, that, "That's from the books." Yeah. <laughs> like the amount of dialogue taken directly from the books. Mm-hmm. The Duke and I, but from other books in yeah. this series that has been put into this season is extraordinary. Very well done. This is always my thing with like Jane Austen adaptations. It's like, we like Austen because she's a good writer. So when you're doing a screenplay, you don't have to rewrite all the lines. You can bring in some of her beautiful language. And they absolutely did that with Julia Quinn and to, to the writer's credit, for sure. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, bit, bit on Eloise. We might as well talk now. So yeah, so she's... More in the season, more in the episode. She's great. She has a great introduction. Um, they do a great thing with like her hair and wardrobe where she's sort of uncomfortable in her clothes and her hair is very, very different from any other character, even like side characters, ever, you know, and, and and she's really supposed to stick out as being kind of younger and being a bit of like misfit and, and also not wanting to fit in. So anyway, that's all done seamlessly just by looking at her. And then, of course, they state it very explicitly many times. <laughs> yep. Uh, the the opening scene of this book of this show it, when she the, the guy <laughs> like I'm gonna go get Daphne where is she and they're arguing about it all and she just starts screaming Daphne we must make haste yeah do you think she heard me <laughs> like and Benedict and Colin's reactions it's good it's good it's so good <laughs> so so we're introduced to the, fa- the Bridgertons and considering there's a ton of them they do a really good job uh, you'll notice in this episode and later Francesca really. Is kind of not necessary. She sort of fades into the background. She doesn't stick out nearly as much as even Hyacinth. Um, this is very deliberate. This is like in the books, with the exception of her own book and um, Benedict's book. We really don't see Francesca at all, and so I I think they did a very good job uh, with the with the with the screen adaptation. I agree with that. That was good. Cool. So. So then uh, we get the Featheringtons. Mm-hmm. Um, with Featheringtons, we get a new character. We get Lord Featherington, um, who is a baron in the aristocracy. And then, of course, Mrs. Featherington, uh, Miss Portia, who is... Well, it's Lady Featherington in this show. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Later, Lady Featherington, who is a... What? Uh, how would you describe <laughs> a delightful... I can't think of a word. She's essentially Mrs. Bennett from Pride and Prejudice, but with more warmth or, or more relatability. Yeah. Yes. More cunning. Um, I noticed that they have made her a 
tad smarter. They have on this show. They than really Nina have. She is in yeah. the book. That that was for the best. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a good improvement. Yeah. Um, and then of course we get their lovely daughters, um, Prudence, uh, Prudence, Philippa. Philippa, and Penelope. Unfortunately, there is no Felicity Featherington as there is in the book, which is yeah. I thought a that sad was a, loss. I thought it was a good loss because it's a good loss. She doesn't um, really come in, in handy till later, and her her best friend Hyacinth in the books. She's not a particularly important part of that book either. So I, I thought it was smart of them. But yeah, I do like Felicity and it would have been fun to see. But but I think it was a good cut. Yeah, it was a good cut. Um, instead, we get Miss Marina Thompson, who is, quote unquote, at least in this first episode, she's introduced to us as a distant cousin of the Featheringtons come for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eagle-eyed readers of the series might note that um, Marina Thompson is in a later book. Uh, and so, you know what? We will get to we'll get to that more. Yeah. We'll get to that specifically in episode eight because we get we talk. We'll, we'll talk about it more uh, actually next episode because yeah. we talk about that next episode too. So yeah, I just thought it was worth bringing up. So she is a, a real character from the books who does not yes. exist in this in the Duke and I book. Uh, and it was I think wildly clever and interesting to bring it forward in the timeline and to um, change her character around and, and add drama. She is a old new character. Yes. In the sense that she is an old character from the book, but they've added to make her a new character for the show. Yeah, I thought that I thought that worked well. We'll talk more about yeah. it in the plot, but it definitely worked well. Uh, of course, we yeah. have Lady Dan- <laughs> beloved Lady Danbury. Hallelujah! <laughs> yeah. Who has more of an active role in this show than uh, in the first book, and we are thankful. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, of course, we have the delightful queen charlotte also a new character delightful's a stretch she's a delight to watch i don't think she'd be a delight to spend time with (laughs) maybe not a delight to spend time with but oh my god is she delightful to watch i am in love with queen charlotte i think she is fantastic so while she is a real Um, historical figure she has no bearing on the book or the series this was an excellent addition um it essentially pits her against Lady Whistledown, which is another character that we only get from Julie Andrews' lovely voiceover. Yes. Um, and it's it's fun to see the kind of the side of the aristocracy because they would have had, there would have been interactions with the queen. Mm-hmm. And so to see the queen now in person is, is, is exciting. Yeah. That's, so it, 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 yeah, it didn't, it wouldn't have made sense necessarily in the books. Such a great addition for the show. Yeah, very it much is approved. a great addition for the show. Speaking of additions for the show, <laughs> and, or speaking of new old characters, new old characters, uh, Sienna Rosso. That's right. That opera singer keeps popping up. Uh, oh, that those Italian opera singers are just. <laughs> yes, Lydia and I are now experts on Italian opera singers because we read this the Bridgerton series, and there were two. The Bridgerton boys oh, like boy. their Italian opera singers. Let's just leave it at that. Well, the other person was um, the Bridgerton boy. Wait, I feel like I just made that up. Yes, ignore he was. that. Ignore that. <laughs> I know. Ignore that. <laughs> oh. um, but uh, in the series, we are getting just how much a certain Bridgerton boy really likes his Italian opera singers. Lydia is talking, of course, about Anthony Bridgerton, a major player. Oh this man. I hadn't started watching the series. And I got a text message from a friend going, 
just wait for Anthony's scene, like his introduction. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just happened to be, I was cooking with my dad in the kitchen and we can see the TV in the living room from the kitchen. You've been to my house. You know how my house is set up. I do. And um, so I was it. like, well, we'll put it on while we're cooking. Yeah. And <laughs> literally <laughs> just looked up mm. and my dad's like, well, that's an entrance. And it I is. was like, that is a choice. And dang, man. <laughs> Everyone raise your hand at home if you feel sorry for the footman. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, oh, but that was great. I That was a great entrance for Anthony yeah. in this series. Yeah. So in, in the books... um. There's an opera singer, I think, named Maria, and Anthony's involved with her. But we don't necessarily know that in this book, uh, or or don't go into detail. So, so this whole plot is is new, um, and I I thought excellent. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Lord Nigel Bearbrook, like uh, Lord Featherington, he got an upgrade to um, to a title in this show, and he's a piece of work. I think we'll just talk more about him later. Oh, uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, then finally, we have the bully introducing Cressida Cowper and her mother. Um, this is the bit where you can tell from the hair when someone's a bad guy. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> also, I like that uh, we're seeing Cressida. I think in the books, we only really get Cressida. Perspective of Cressida from... Penelope? Yeah, I I I think we get a perspective from Am I allowed to say names of other characters? Yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, Kate. I think we Yeah, get, I think we But you're right. It's mainly Penelope. And so the the scene where Cressida bullies Penelope and Colin saves her is kind of a conflation of, of several scenes from later books. And I again, very well done. Very good introduction for us, the <clears throat> the viewers. Yeah, no, that was glorious the way that that happened um sad but and it was a sign that really did make me go ah. okay <laughs> so all right anyway. so because we've been talking about this for some time um i'm gonna try to call this the halfway point but oh, oh how naive i sound <laughs> i know but i we said we would call it at half an hour so okay um so let's do a, a brief like an honest to goodness brief recap so much happens in 57 minutes lydia so much um so yeah we get the start of the season the presentation to the queen in yeah. which great daphne opening. shines and was it philippa yeah or featherington prudence. or prudence Lord one knows. of them dead way saints because her corset is too tight yeah. <laughs> i like the actresses but i i don't know which is which because i i don't know that they've called it out enough for me to pick up on it and i think that's that's on purpose i, I agree i agree yeah okay um so yeah, we get uh, Daphne gets named the season's incomparable, which that is a little bit different from the books, but I think it works really well in the ser- the setting yeah. that they've placed the series in. Um, and then we get Marina is introduced to us, and she becomes popular. Um, and the Featheringtons get their first callers, although none of them are for the Featherington women. Which is beautiful, like poetic justice, like not really for yes. Penelope, but for you know just for Lady Featherington. And then um, we find out towards the end of the episode that Marina is pregnant. And so she is here to find a husband to foist a child on. K- kind of. Because it sounds like kind she of. doesn't want that. It sounds like she, is, doesn't she does have an not agenda at this point for the season. No. She does not. No. 
but yeah. she is there to yeah she's there because um, someone else wants her to be you know because her dad presumably um i am gonna yes. just calling it i am naming this the scandal of the episode even though yeah no it doesn't break like like no one talks about it yet that's totally the scandal of the episode oh a hundred percent okay and then um we get uh daphne go going around to actually let's talk about this first so then we get daphne is going to balls with anthony who is legit cock blocking her with every other dude on the fucking ton which is a aggravating but b hilarious so funny so it is funny and half the time i just want to be like this is you motherfucker (laughs) yeah it takes several (laughs) Anthony. like shut up sit down stop um but um so yeah we watched daphne kind of go through the season kind Mm -hmm. of the first couple early balls anthony has scared away her suitors with the exception of nigel burbrook which is which is which is honestly like i'll be honest completely ridiculous that anyone would give him the time of day like Whistledown even is like, why is she with him? Like, why is Lady Vi giving him the time of day? Why is Anth- whatever? We'll get into that. Uh, gross. The fact, that, yeah. So the, the fact that uh, Anthony mm. like enters mm-hmm. into an engagement mm-hmm. with Nigel mm-hmm. is super frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is actually a change that works really well yes. in the books. In the books, in the books, Nigel's just kind of this dim-witted guy that doesn't really is just kind of down on his luck he's he's that friend that thinks because he's yeah anyway yeah nigel's just there kind of in the books and i really like the changes they made they've made him more sinister character in this show yeah um and again i think it works um so yeah the fact that uh nigel tries to take advantage of daphne in the garden and then daphne gives him a right hook yeah Go Daphne. I loved. Boom. I really loved that. I thought it was a good change. Um, in what you were saying. So in the books, Nigel's this um fine line between sort of a bumbling, harmless, like he doesn't really know up from down character, and someone who does sort of lunge at Daphne. And the book doesn't really decide whether like w- what to do with him. And we're supposed to see him as like this bumbling oaf, like um source of humor throughout this the series and it kind of wobbles um to me so i thought that the choice of the show to to very much say he's a creep i appreciated that a lot i thought that was something that needed to be done and i was very grateful for it um you get creep vibes from the very beginning you know daphne puts it's very clear about you know and it's i thought it was really interesting that we have this conversation pre-engagement thing um where daphne and anthony are riding on horseback and anthony says Bearbrook is harmless, which is an interesting thing from a for a man to say to a woman. And it's also like if that's the best thing you can say about a person, dot dot dot. Um, and then Daphne responds that he's a detestable simpleton. So that's the conversation they have before Anthony decides that that's the best thing. So that's a lot. Um, but I I love the scene in the gardens because one of my frustrations with shows is when they use like an assault scene to like ramp up the dramatic tension. And essentially, mm-hmm. it's a cheap plot device. And basically, the viewer is getting more and more concerned for the character as all these things are happening and the music rises and stuff. This scene happens very quickly. Nigel steps towards Daphne. 
we, we understand that you know something's going on that she doesn't like. Simon figures out what's going on. He's running to save her. So we, we don't feel worried for Daphne. Very quickly, she punches him in the face, which puts an end to the scene, but also like has a very satisfying moment for viewers of she's subverting this trope. She's rescuing herself. Simon gets there and realizes he didn't really need to help her um, and is impressed with, you know, with, with her right hook. And it and then she has this moment where she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the garden with two men. It's an excellent scene. It's fast paced. It's, you know, funny and entertaining. So I, I thought I thought it was excellent. I, I would even say better than the book. Um, although it doesn't, that's, you know, I'm not slamming the book or anything. It's just, it's a good adaptation. It's a, it's a great ap- adaptation of the scene from the book. Yeah. Um, I think both have their merits and both yes. have their disadvantages. Yes. And, um, but I like them both equally. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I really don't want to be slamming the book. That's not what I meant, but, um, yeah, I was really happy with, I know I'm like hearing words come out of my mouth. I'm like, what am I, what am I saying? But, um, <laughs> no, but I really, I really liked how this looked on screen. The scene, the scene in the book where she punches Nigel. For listeners who have not read the books, yeah. but are discovering us because we're talking about the show, Hi. um, is uh, the scene where Daphne and Simon meet. Yeah, it's their the meet cute, and it's excellent and it's because a, quite meet. It's a quite adorable meet cute. Yeah. So I, I like, I like both. I like how they do it in the series and how they do it in the book. Which, by the way, the meet cute in the series in the season is um very, very like romance very romantic very like romance yes. novel and i really enjoyed that and i thought it was really cool that they got it on screen like that they were able to translate what feels like a romance novel moment onto the screen and i was very impressed with that yes i agree and that kind of goes along with um that scene with nigel because as he's lying on the ground knocked out Daphne and Simon are having this conversation and, you know, the music swells and they start to put together a plan. They decide to fake a relationship. And then partway through that, you know, we kind of cut back and forth with the camera. And then it's just this, it it just sort of swell, swells to the end of the episode with a very high romance moment, a very romance novel moment, of course, with this fake relationship trope. And then with them together and all the eyes on them. And, you know, we, the viewers know something that the viewers on the ball don't understand. And they're dancing and it's very romantic, but there's it's not just romantic because we know that they don't think of each other that way yet, but we're guessing that it's going somewhere because Simon flat out said, you know, <laughs> what could possibly happen? And so that, you know, we, we know something's gonna happen. Anyway, it was very, very lovely ending. Very, very lovely romance novel moment. Yeah. Can I talk about one scene that we just, we, I, we yeah, didn't even talk we, about. We, we glossed really over a couple brief... things. So um, things. I really, really appreciate the scene where Simon goes to Lady Danbury's house and is like, I'm going to decline my invite tonight. Yes. And she just kind of looks at him and is like, you're going to do what now? And he goes, I am coming. Yeah. I will be there. Well, she, she goes, that's what she I She declines thought. his refusal or whatever. It's amazing. Yes. They, so that's a delightful because we get to meet Lady Danbury and we get to meet Simon. Like it's so, they're both so dashing, I think is the word for it. Yes. And kind of glamorous and kind of sardonic. There's good banter, but we get so much about their relationship and their characters by that small interaction. And I love it. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. Mm-hmm. It is. It, um, it's, yeah. Uh, so there's it's also, so great. let's see. So, so we did skip over a lot, but we'll, we'll get to it eventually. Um, the, the, but the main thing from the recap th- that we haven't said is we are introduced from the very first moment and to the very last moment to Lady Whistledown. Yes. And we're introduced quite wonderfully at the same time that the ton is introduced to her and the queen is introduced to her and the Bridget- Bridgertons and Featheringtons are introduced to her. And so sh- her 
her um, provocative writing and her mysterious identity are the catalyst for this season and seasons to come. And it is so well done. It is such a good adaptation and it's such a good uh, structure on its own. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, So I think we'll try to whip through some things quickly so we can get to some deeper stuff. So uh, setting. It is set in Mayfair. Uh, Grosvenor Square is where we have the Bridgerton and Featherington houses across from each other. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, St. James's Palace is where the presentation happened. And and they drive past sort of a Buckingham Palace under construction. Uh, And then, of course, the end is Vauxhall. Uh, I believe that it was actually filmed in Vauxhall. Um, And... Of course, we can all see like the uh, Royal Crescent at, in Bath in, behind, like in the background of many, many scenes in this London set episode. So I think they just decided that that's the aesthetic they wanted and ran with it. And that was, it worked. <laughs> worked well enough. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Okay. Right, so then, uh, kind of the storylines to follow going forward from this first episode that's been set up is the queen um, trying to uncover who Lady Whistledown is. And kind of going head to head with her for, yes. they're kind of fighting over who's the incomparable of the season. Is it Daphne or is it Marina? I love that. It's this like power broker battle between these two women. One who has it- power and one who is seizing power. Oh, yes. good. Uh, so this Love is our, our first whistle watch, which is what I'm calling um, characters trying to figure out Lady Whistledown's identity. So first we have Portia Lady Featherington saying, it's Violet Bridgerton. Did you see how she's talking about the Bridgertons? It's got to be her. Then we've got Francesca Bridgerton saying, it's got to be Lady Danbury because she's so opinionated. Both of these are shot down very quickly. And then we have Hyacinth Bridgerton, who is like, well, couldn't it be Lady Fe- Lady Featherington oh, that's right. at dinner? And everybody's just like, no. They just laughed. <laughs> They're like, have you have you read what she said about the Featheringtons? <laughs> oh, that's good. I forgot about that. Okay. Then uh, our next major storyline is Marina and the Featheringtons. Oh, boy, is this like a basket of drama. Yes. Very large basket. I don't know why that's an analogy. Anyway. Yeah. And then um, the next one is Anthony and his family. Specifically Violet and Daphne. Specifically I'm Violet my head. and Daphne. Oh, Anthony. Actually, I would, throw, I would throw Benedict in there as well. Okay. For kind of like the later, like kind of later season. I'm just doing this episode. Okay, just this episode. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So, yeah, these storylines will carry yeah. throughout, but I mean, just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Anthony and family. Yeah. So, between like Anthony and Daphne and, and Violet and then his storyline with Sienna the opera singer. Of course Simon and Daphne are hero and heroine. Yep. Uh I I also would throw um Anthony and Simon in there too. For sure. Yes. BFFs. Cuz we see that they're they? good friends and that we're like there's going to be some issues between the two of them this season. Um quick interjection. Anthony glaring at Simon at the dinner table. One of the highlights of my month. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) No, that's a brilliant scene between all of them where he's just sitting there and like having these conversations with his family while just daggers at Simon the entire time. It's good. (gasps) Also, I would just like to say, (laughs) I'm going to add, yeah, well, you do have on this on there, but the plotting the plotting yeah, of lady danbury and lady violet and lady violet 
is glorious. It's really fun. It's pretty delicious. Uh, and and, um, it, and and the transparency of it, as Simon and um, Anthony point out, is also pretty fun. Yes. Um, and then, like, the one other scene I really want to, to address is when Lady Danbury walks up to the Bridgertons at her ball. And they try to go the other way. And she's yes. like, no need. I've seen you. <laughs> Those Bridgerton boys. That is straight from the book. And it is good. The Bridgerton bros, man. They're just kind of, they're just kind of dummies sometimes. Oh, and I love them. We love them, love them but love they're them. dummies. Yeah, it's good. We do love them. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of, ha- yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's mm-hmm. pretty much the storylines, I would say. Oh, sorry. And the, did we say Lady Lady, Dan, Lady Danbury and Simon? No, but I, I think I think what we said really covered it. Um, cool. All right. So th- then there are two. Uh, there's a couple devices that I really liked in this episode. As you can tell, there's a lot of things we like about this. Uh, the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons. So that we start out with the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons. They're set up as foils, right? We have sort of this um, gnarly, like this behind the scenes on female beauty and standards and stuff in the Featherington house. And it's a very sort of tense, kind of funny scene. And then we go over to the Bridgertons, and it's all about family. Um, then, of course, we go to the presentation, and Daphne really shines. But there's always, you know, there's one of her, and she's, you know, she's pretty, and and she's liked by the queen. There's three of the Featheringtons. There's, you know, there's too much of them. They're they're bursting through the door. Um, they're just too much. They're they're kind of seen as gauche and not taken seriously, and they're definitely taken as a package. So we're seeing this, and we're going, oh, the season is going to go well for her, and not going to go well for them. But then this this foil it flips with Lady Whistledown uh, when Anthony kind of makes that crucial error to not let Daphne dance with anyone and thinking she can play hard to get essentially and then people come to Marina instead and so now the Featheringtons are a little bit um, have some status even though it's all through Marina Thompson so I, I think that's a really nice trick the way it switches and the way that they're kind of set up so that throughout the season we can kind of follow these two families. Yeah, I I completely agree. I really enjoyed that setup. Yeah. And then the other setup is that the Featheringtons really bring the comic relief and really bring the drama, <laughs> as we see from mm-hmm. the Marina reveal. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay, so now we get to all the fun part in any story, but particularly a romance, conflicts. <laughs> Starting, yes. of course, with Anthony. <laughs> Shocker. Oh, my gosh. So first of all, I'd like to say I love what they did with Anthony and Anthony's storyline, Anthony's role in the show. It's not the yes, same as loving what Anthony does, <laughs> but I love what they did with it. Um, I have never gotten so many. I hate Anthony texts. Wow. From friends. Are you just feeling it's vindicated about life? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> uh, yeah. I think, I think we got a couple of comments that we just treated Anthony so like harshly in the first ha. couple episodes. Ha. And I'm just like, Anthony's a dick. He is a dick. It's and, partly um, what makes this book so entertaining. <laughs> actually, one of my friends, I can't remember who it was, said to me, um, I don't know if I want to watch season two if it's about Anthony. And I'm like, but you get Kate. And she's like, I honestly don't care. I think I, I have been kind of, I haven't really been on the internet with uh, Bridgertons, but I have been kind of getting the sense that people are like, oh, if it's season two is about Anthony, I don't want to deal with it. Trust me, you will. I, I we, we won't go into anything later than this episode, but I think a lot of basically what Anthony's storyline in the season is really encapsulated in this episode. Uh, is really kicked off in yes. this episode. And... The showrunners and writers and actor do such a wonderful job of portraying 
a man who makes so many bad choices and who's who's struggling with his role in his family and who is like arrogant, condescending and all of these things and is so sympathetic still and is really trying to do his best. Um, and so <laughs> while I disagree with specifically like like two or three things that he does, especially, um, I really liked getting to see this in his character. Now, in the books, Anthony is much more responsible and isn't doesn't have to have this um, growth and be prompted by his mother. He fills that role naturally years ago. And I really like that for his character, the books. I really like in the show that he does have to have some growing and he does have to saddle up to this responsibility. I thought it was a, a good storyline. Um, and by the end of, se- of episode one, he has not gotten there yet, but he is trying extremely handfistedly that he's trying. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it, uh, yeah, you're right. I think this is a setup. Um, Chris Van Dusen, who is the creator and showrunner for Bridgerton, um, he 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 was tweeting already about season two. Netflix <gasps> has not announced as, as of this time right now. <laughs> yeah. Netflix has not announced a season two. It pretty much is a given. Bridgerton is going to get a season two, guys. Like I said earlier, it is, it is number one on Netflix right now. It is, ta- it's number one on Netflix pretty much all over the world right now. Wow, that's huge. Um, I, and like if you just any kind of of the Bridgerton f- accounts that I follow on Instagram, all of them are showing screenshots from Netflix across the world. And wow. Uh, if it's not one, it's number two. That's awesome. Please give so, us a season is, two and three. And which four. is fantastic. <laughs> and then there there were rumors kind of even before the show was released, like kind of earlier this fall, that it it's been unofficially renewed for a season two. I believe that. And then um and then there are kind of rumors swirling in the just kind of the entertainment news that um filming will start on season two in March of this year. Crossing all my fingers right now, folks. Really am. So, um, and honestly, with the way that this show has been so successful in the last, what, five days since it was released, um, like people are begging for more already. It's only been five days. So I I have a feeling that they're going to, they they want to get on this. They want to give viewers more of this. Good. Um, So I I would say don't let Anthony turn you off. He is a dick, but he has depths. And more importantly, the story is great and his you know heroine is great so just saying and this is as a person who doesn't know what season two would actually look like but oh my gosh um so i really liked this i was very frustrated with anthony the character but i really liked it um i will say that at this point in the episode or in the season the two things i like least are the way he dumps sienna and the way he locks daphne into nigel like a complete idiot um those are pretty unforgivable (laughs) uh because like breaking up with sienna whatever do what you need to do um when you're in a relationship where she's a mistress she's an opera singer he's supporting her she lives in a house paid for by him and he says get out the morning after by the way um no that's that's not fair like you're you, you have this like vast power differential in income and status and everything you can think of privileged like off the wall and and to do that is not okay. And I I don't think he well I know I know Anthony doesn't get it. But no, he, he but he frankly should though. 
You know what I mean? He he, he wants to be a decent man. He may be privileged, but he understands how that relationship works. To give her no heads up, like this this is a matter of like her having a roof over her head, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, I I thought that was pretty uh, un un like I, I shouldn't throw on the word unforgivable, but I thought that was a pretty line in the sand. Like you messed up big time, son. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was really annoyed when he made her at promises and then was like being all classist and I get why I get why he, they did that. But it was like, dude, don't make a promise. You can't. Oh, cool. You didn't even keep it a full episode. Awesome. <laughs> but I did feel bad for him. Like, that's how good <laughs> this is, is that I did feel bad for him. I felt more bad for Sienna. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel bad for I feel bad for all of them, honestly. Yeah. Um, so and I, the the Nigel thing, like, no. That makes no sense to me. Get out. I, like, <laughs> even in the trailers, when we, we got them, I was I said, that's Nigel. Like, straight up. Oh, good that's eye. Nigel. Good eye, Lydia. And, um, because he's just, he looks like a creeper in the trailers, yep. too. Yep. Um, <laughs> and shock beyond shocks, he's a creeper. He is. It, yeah. Anthony's whole thing on this really frustrates me. The, like, I know best. I know how to get a, a man for you, which he doesn't. And then, and then he just goes with Nigel. And it's one thing that did frustrate me about the show in this episode was the what I what I felt what I perceived as a false urgency for Daphne to wed. So they just started the season. Whistledown says something about her, and they're like, I think she calls herself damaged goods at at this point. I like which I I was like, whoa, sister calm down or not calm down but you know what i mean like slow your roll um so it's like i'm damaged goods and and then anthony's like i've got to find a husband for her right away i'm like there's been no scandal she's just slightly less popular yes it's stressful but this is the beginning of her first season like oh my gosh i really thought that the like urgency was was pretty manufactured i wasn't loving that but whatever drama is drama yeah true (laughs) true true i don't like that um I, here's something, I, I, nothing, absolutely nothing against the actress. I thought she did a good job. I didn't like Violet as much, uh, um, in this season. And once I rewatched the first episode, I liked her more. I thought like her conversation with Anthony was really interesting. I thought it was pretty darn harsh, um, but it, it it's good. I think she's not how I pictured her interacting with her kids, and I think it's because they did change the character a bit. Um, so we'll have to see how I feel about it as it goes on. Cause I wasn't sure I liked it as much. What did you think about Lady Violet? And again, it's not I... the actress that I'm faulting. It's more the portrayal of the character. I'm enjoying Lady Vi. Okay. I'm, I don't think that they made too many changes to her character in all honesty. Okay. I think they've made her maybe a little less reliant, I guess, on her children, than she is in the books in term if that, if that, I don't know if that's like the best way of saying it but um maybe not as quite as attached to her children maybe that's the word I'm looking for um she she is yeah. she is she is but I think just in general with all the Bridgertons like that super tight connectiveness that we see in the books is not here in the show yet I assume yet yeah um, yeah that's, that's a good point and but that being said yeah i i still don't think I, there were many changes with her character no that i disliked yeah 
Um, I felt like I she just, had like, less authority with her family than in the books. I'm also, while yes. I'm saying this to you, I'm thinking probably part of it is that I'm thinking of Lady Violet as the character that I read in many books, not the character that I read in the first book. Because she develops, she does develop more, and she's a little bit more of like a, like like they say she's, in the book. She, she, and actually, Anthony says this too. I I don't remember if it's in this episode or not. I think it is. He says, "You are a perfectly normal mother until your eldest daughter was ready to wed." Does he, he says that to her in uh, the book. Exactly. That's actually, what I'm he, doesn't say, he doesn't say that directly to her. He says that to Daphne. Right. About and so, and and I think mother. that's very true of, of this book in particular. So, mm-hmm. so you know, maybe that's more my issue with her is that they were faithful to the book rather than the character that I have in my head from reading many books. Yeah, and I think I think the portrayal in the first season is quite on par with the portrayal of Lady Vi in book one. Okay, I, I, I will yes, accept we've, that. We've read now eight books yeah. about Lady, with Lady Vi mm-hmm. developing over these eight books, and we yeah. see her as a very different character than we viewed her in book one. I can and so to go back now again and view her from that book one perspective as being in an, an ambitious mama yeah. is, I think, a little jarring. Yeah. All right. Which I will go with that. I, ha- I had to stop and think about that, too, when I first watched the series. I'm just being like, this feels weird. And then I was like, but she's not mm-hmm. the Lady Vi that we know and love at this point. Yeah. All right. That's I think that's good. All right. I think we can skip down to this bit. We really covered Anthony. Yeah. Unless yeah. there's anything else you want to say. No. Okay. Um, right. We Fuck already that, talked dude. about this. Uh, the, the other, ma- another major conflict is sort of Lady Whistledown versus the Queen, which sets in motion um, Featherington stuff and um, Daphne and Anthony stuff, and of course the Daphne and the Duke making their pact at the end of the episode. So that's pretty crucial. Uh, we understand that uh, separately. We understand that Simon will not marry. He makes this very clear to Anthony. Uh, and that Anth- and Daphne makes this very clear to Eloise that she wants to marry for love. Yes. Um, and we get a little bit of conflict between Eloise and Daphne, a little bit of uh, ideological conflict that is sort of setting things up. Um, I thought it was really interesting and, and good that uh, Lady Violet talks to Anthony in his study about um, Simon and kind of says, he says, look, I know him. He's not interested in marrying, so I don't want you to push this on him. And she says, every man says that. And I really like that conversation because it's so true. It's, if you read any Regency novels, it's always like the man's like, I, won't, I don't want to marry. And then he does. Um, and I was thinking that's true in like modern life, too, where like how many of us have like said something like, like that everyone says, and you don't really mean like I think f- for a lot of people kind of like being like, oh, I don't really want kids. And it's like, OK, maybe you actually do. But then there are the people who say that and genuinely mean it. <laughs> and that's the case for Simon, where it is it is something that everyone says and doesn't really mean. But it is true for him, and he does mean it. And so I liked that they brought that out. Yes, I agree. Okay. So we've covered a lot of adaptation stuff. Um, I think we have just a few notes. So we mentioned Baron Featherington. The title and his existence are new. Uh, yes. I want to pose a question that we won't answer in this episode i want to pose a question that is um do we think that the addition of lord featherington as a character is necessary into this season so i just want to put that out there and i think we'll pick it up in like eight episodes <laughs> that sound yeah the yep yep mm-hmm. and i just and i want to like just yeah keep that marinating in the backs of our minds um to me 
uh, Lord Featherington is essentially the character of Mr. Palmer from Sense and Sensibility, definitely as played by Hugh Laurie, but also just, you know, in the book or on the whatever, BBC, whatever, and um, behind the newspaper, kind of just like there and like grumpy, but not really contributing necessarily based on this episode. That's definitely the portrayal that I see in this episode. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Hmm. I think we've covered a lot of this already. Yeah, we've covered the Queen. Yeah. We've covered Marina, Anthony, Anthony and Nigel. Nigel. Um, I will say that uh, Queen Charlotte's, there is a lot of historical evidence to support that she was a black woman. Um, and so it is It is kind of refreshing to see that portrayed yeah. in this show. Yeah, it is. Um, also... Oh, no, that's the next episode. Okay. It's not in this episode. Sorry. Okay. I will bring that up in the next episode because oh. I have to stop and think about that for a sec. Yeah. You know what's funny is historians get really squirrely about the Queen Charlotte thing because you basically get like, okay, look, she was a black queen. She was a, from the Portuguese royal family that had African descent and da-da-da-da. And there's these portraits and this. And then you get the like, that is outrageous. It's been completely discredited. That's not historic, right? So you get one or the other um, when the fact is that, yes, there's a lot of evidence that suggests, of course, this is not the kind of evidence that would be carefully preserved <laughs> and uh you know in abundance um and i find it really interesting mean, that there's i know it's shocking you mean old yeah. white historians mm-hmm. who cannot believe for the life of them that thomas jefferson screwed with his one of his slaves sally hemmings yeah uh can't believe that england had a black queen yeah Knock me it's over really with surprising. a feather. Yeah. Um, but- Knock me over. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. There's so much more to the Sally Hemings story. It just blows my mind. Um, so <laughs> Suck it, old white historians. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like the fact that there is um, some interesting evidence. And this is, as far as I know, pretty much the, the only portrayal that I know of of Queen Charlotte as a, a black woman. Um, like it, yeah, like no, in this a is the first time culture. she's ever been portrayed yeah. uh, in pop culture as a black woman. So that's pretty interesting. Like ask yourself if there's anyway um we we didn't really talk about like race and the casting in this episode because we've talked about it for a lot of different episodes we've talked about it in the trailers um it's pretty clear when you watch it um i think it was something that definitely stood out like to me in the trailers and maybe when i first started watching it it was like this is not what we normally get to see on screen for a regency and then i honestly promptly kind of forgot about it and it was really interesting watching my dad come in uh for like i think like the last three episodes and being like wait what what's going on and and you know stopping it and explaining it and and it, that was kind of cool um yeah i figured we talk about race as it pops up in the episodes that itself sounds good. because yeah it, per, it they they specifically tie it yeah to those episodes, yeah. I think, with that how they've good. told the narrative story. So I figured we, we, that's how we would talk okay. about race yeah. on the show. I just thought, like, I feel like if, you, if you've never, like, seen the trailers or anything, if you're coming to this from, like, a Regency point of view, like, this might be something that really sticks out. We haven't even mentioned it, but we've talked about it before. Uh, and we will again. Yes. <laughs> so yes, um, I want to talk a few structure things that made me really excited. And um, it's time for me to scream in your ears. Yeah. Okay, go for it. Okay, my so, ears are my ears are ready for screaming. Yay! Thank you, Lydia. Okay, I'm sure I'll join you in the screaming. Yeah. So that being said, I'm probably not going to scream. We'll see. Um, so the family <laughs> dinner that we mentioned before with the Bridgertons, where Simon is invited, uh, 
I loved the camera work for that. That was so cool. I haven't really seen anything quite like it where um, you have all these different shots of everyone's talking at once. And the main thread of the conversation we were supposed to follow is Simon and Daphne having this sort of banter of like, well, I don't really like you. Well, I don't really like you. Okay, then you kind of suck. Well, you kind of suck. Oh, you know, like (laughs) that while we kind of get the reactions of their family who are watching them. And it seems like they can hear at least some of the conversation, you know, judging by Eloise and Lady Violet's reactions. And then we go like, sometimes you're hearing Simon and Daphne talking while we're looking at other characters who are talking. And it's, it really brings in the feeling of a family dinner where there's so many conversations going on at once and there's a lot happening. I just absolutely loved how that was done. Uh, no, I agree. The way I I want to... Okay. So I'm... If, if People who've not picked up on this already, I'm a nerd when it comes to like filmmaking. I love seeing how they film stuff and have like shots and everything. Like my greatest, greatest joy in watching lord of the rings is watching the behind the scenes footage for lord of the rings because i love seeing how they do everything um so that being said i really want to see how they filmed this dinner scene whether they did it with multiple cameras and filmed from multiple different angles because usually if people don't know anything about filmmaking every single character Mm -hmm. is shot their 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 part is shot. So if there are twelve people yeah. at a dinner table, this scene is shot at least twelve times from each character's perspective. That's what I was. I was like, how many times did they have to say all these lines? <laughs> so it makes me wonder, um, especially with the addition of kind of the younger kids on the show, if they filmed it from like multiple camera angles to you know pr- to keep it so that they're not filming so many different. Hmm character or so they don't have to film it so many different times that makes sense um but i don't know so i that'll be interesting to see if they release any type of behind the scenes video to see if that's in fact how they filmed it um because it flows so naturally yeah in this scene that is not the case with every other dinner scene that we've seen out there um sometimes they're very stilted and kind of like one-sided and just like awkward this felt flowed very naturally so very dynamic it felt a lot like a family dinner uh at my house or my grandma's house or my aunt's house you know like a lot going on the kids are maybe throwing stuff and everyone's talking and there's some joking it was it was great like it was great to see the interactions between the brothers while listening to the banter between simon and daphne It, it it yeah it was great so good um the other thing i want to talk about is color in the show it absolutely pops it's so saturated it's a very filtered version of life um gorgeous just so beautiful to see um Mm -hmm. so beautiful i wanted to point out a few things yes it is so the anti every other regency that we have seen which is like just very pale yes pastels whites mm -hmm. not even pastels but just like yeah drab colors and very just kind of down dark dark and this is so bright and so jolly i guess is the word yes compared to other regencies things that we have seen and it's such a stark relief to see something like this yeah it's um there's it's there's flowers and jewel tones and a lot and it i think it does a lot to create this fantasy world this escapist fantasy world it's Mm -hmm. really beautiful uh, right. So w- one of the things I liked is, so I believe at like the facade of Lady Danbury's house before the ball, 
And then in Vauxhall, especially at the last scene with Diamond and Safdie. <laughs> I'm sorry, Diamond and Safdie. <laughs> Simon and Daphne. Well, that kind of sounds like a interesting. Anyway, so with Simon and Daphne, um, where it's these pinks and blues, these soft, bright pinks and blues that we're seeing. Uh, absolutely beautiful. Really, I think it really makes it kind of magical. And, and romantic, it really brings that on. And then another thing I noticed is, so each of the families gets, like, their footmen, their servants are in different livery. I just realized I have nothing to say about the Featheringtons because I don't remember. It's got to be something outrageous. Do you remember what their servant's outfit look, looks like? No, well, no clue. We'll look it up. I'll look it up for the next episode. I'm sure I, I was, I mean, I was so good and delivered about this and I completely forgot to look. It's got to be really important. I bet, uh, I bet it's like flowers or something crazy. Anyway, now I'm embarrassed that I brought it up um, and they didn't look up the Featherington livery. Darn it. Okay. But I'll tell you what I did notice, which is um, the Bridgertons have lavender and white, their servants, which means that it, um, Anthony... And the opera singer against the tree and the footman definitely reported back to Lady Vi, which is like, how is Anthony surprised she knows about his setup? Oh, my gosh. Um, And then Lady Danbury's uh, servants have like this gorgeous. Is it red? I wrote this all down. Sure. Dang it. (laughs) Hold on. Red. And then um, Simon's servants are black. That's their uniform. So just noting that. But yeah. Um, And then just the opening and closing was really excellent so we have whistle down to open and close uh the episode and we have um it starts out with introducing daphne and then it ends with daphne and simon together but not really together so that's a good thing yes yes some themes that we've kind of picked up in this in this series so far in this episode have been um kind of just the inequalities that people face with gender um, particularly with women and women's agency, um, which I think is a is a good conversation to have about this time and the roles that women face, and that's something that we can obviously address conti- like continuously going forward, um, especially in some of the later episodes. Um, but Daphne even addresses it in this episode about yeah. the stuff that she can and can't do as a woman. Um, Very deliberately, she straight up is like, "Yeah, hey Anthony, do you know what it's like to be a woman? No." you don't yeah um which i appreciated and yeah she just kind of called him called out anthony on uh you know the fact that he's a man and he's part of the patriarchy and can kind of do whatever he sees fit with his sister's life even if it's not in the best interest of his sister (laughs) which i appreciated and then um Boy, did this did this series, this first episode i mean the whole series in general but this first episode really really state that this is a high class this is a very high class part of society yeah this is not the lower class and they have money mm-hmm. holy buckets do they have money and are they they are going to spend that money um my sister made a comment we were watching <laughs> that she said um you see all of this food that is uh, that are out at these parties and just how wonderful it looks and how glorious this looks. And she goes, and you know that if had this been a real time, none of that food would have been eaten. Yeah. Because women couldn't eat it in front of men because they had to, you know, portray a specific demeanor. And I was like, oh, really? And I said, no, you're right. She goes, I mean, I'd be over at that table. And I'm with like, her. I'd With you. Yeah. I mean, those little macaroon, that macaroon tower looked 
divine. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, you know, we've been talking about how gorgeous this is. You know, escapist dramas, whether they're historical or contemporary, it's often very, very rich people that we're watching on screen. <laughs> you know, they don't, they're not like, their worries are not necessarily the worries of the viewers. And that's kind of why it's fun to watch. Um, we just, we don't get a lot of servants in this. We we see them. There's a lot of them. Um, some of them even have speaking roles, but they're not important. Uh, certainly not in this episode. And... There are a few class things that come up mainly with like Anthony <laughs> and Sienna, but it's not taken any farther than just presented to us. Um, it's just extreme wealth and, and luxury and um, the, the focuses on status and gaining status in the case of the Featheringtons and keeping status in the case of the Bridgertons and and the Queen as well of keeping her power. And it's just this constant grasping the whole episode. No, I completely agree. I I think I think what we're seeing on screen is very on par with what we see in the first book in regards to status and class. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um so yeah, um so overall for this first episode, what did you love and what didn't you love? I found a lot to love. I think I've already mentioned the things I didn't love. I didn't love Anthony's treatment of Sienna. However, I thought it was good for the plot. Like, I, I, I was glad they, they did it. Um, I, I'm i going to mention a few little things I loved. I loved the oil paintings. I loved the oil paintings at the beginning of the Bridgertons. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I don't remember if there's oil paintings of the Queen in this episode, but I did like those when I saw them. <laughs> um, I also, I love Penelope's. I loved that we get a little bit of Penelope and Eloise's friendship. Um, that cute little like wave across the square at the beginning is great. I And I, I really genuinely love that um, we get a lot of this, a lot of these shots through Penelope's perspective. We get Penelope reaction th- shots throughout this episode. And I think it really grounded uh, the episode and and I and I really appreciated that. How about you? Oh, and one um, last thing: everything Lady Danbury. I loved everything Lady Danbury. Okay. Yes, I think my love of this first episode is just seeing the beginnings of how they have expanded the Lady Danbury character. Because again, if you've listened to this podcast for as long as we have been doing it, you all know how much we love Lady Danbury love her. and to see. Her come to life and played by such a fabulous actress. Oh my gosh! In yes, I, th- I think you pronounce her name Adua Adue. It sounds right to me. Um, <laughs> like kudos. I mean, um, we were already raving about her presence in the just in the trailers, but like the way she like savors words in her mouth and rolls them out with authority and just dominates every scene that she's in even if we're just getting a look at her face and then panning away it's incredible it's everything that anyone would ever want for lady danbury the character mm-hmm. the one thing that i don't know that i like okay. is i think they've made a lady whistle down a little too snarky okay i can i can see that um it's there's nothing wrong with that it's but i do think that in the spirit of the books, Lady Whistledown is never mean and yeah. I think or like rude. And I think they've changed that up a little bit and they've made 
Lady Whistledown snarky and rude. Could that change as seasons progress? Absolutely. And I think it probably will. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that didn't quite sit well with me. It didn't sit with me the whole season. So, um, That's a good point. Um, She calls herself a a bitch in the first, in her first, like, stretch of dialogue, which Mm -hmm. is, which is a, a big thing. And then I suppose how she, how she kind of creates conflict is, is a bit different. And, and like you said, a bit mean spirited in a way. Yeah. Hmm. And just seeing how they've written the show and where the show ends. And again, because we're still just focusing on the first episode, it makes sense the way they've written yes. Lady Whistledown for this first season. Yeah. And why I think that the that character, the character of Lady Whistledown will change as seasons progress. Mm-hmm. Um, But I do think that it, that was a slight turnoff for me okay. as somebody who's read the books and knows uh-huh. more about Lady Whistledown. Okay. But yeah. So that's all I have to that's all I have to say about that. Gotcha. So I, I didn't love it, but I also didn't hate it. Okay. So um I would say bottom line, this episode felt like a romance novel to me. A hundred percent. And and that and that's what I wanted. That's a, that's a compliment, just to be clear, in case you haven't listened to anything we've done. Uh uh and that's yeah, that's what that's kind of what I was looking for. And it's kind of a delicious thing to get to see on screen. And that they captured the spirit of it well. Oh yes, and I this goes sorry, this goes without saying, I think for Lydia and I, because we haven't mentioned it, but wow, the chemistry between Daphne and Simon, even just in episode one, I think, is already there, don't you think? <laughs> It's so funny because no? I see the chemistry. No, okay. I do. I see the chemistry. And I've read so many reviews where everybody's like, they have no chemistry whatsoever. Really? And I'm like, were we watching the same show? Okay. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. It, 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 we haven't said it before because I think it's pretty evident to the two of us. Uh, but I will say it now. Um, and we will, we can talk about it later when it's really popping off screen. But um, yeah. Uh, and also, we said all this, we've said all this to ourselves uh, off recording and in trailer action stuff but uh, casting a plus across across the board minor characters major characters i'm kind of speechless but i just it needs to be said casting a plus <laughs> phenomenal yeah phenomenal <laughs> do you have anything else After you want watching- to say <laughs> Yeah, I do want to say after watching. So if anybody listened to our episode on it's in his kiss and where I talked about um, the very, very not ever going to happen casting of Gareth St. Clair. Okay. AKA Lady Danbury's grandson. um, Straight up watching this whole first season. I just was like, I just want Davi Diggs to come play Gareth so badly. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly because... The day before this came out, we sat and watched Hamilton with oh, my family. Yeah, so it just made me just, again, throughout the entire, just be like, I really want Davi Diggs to come and play Gareth St. Clair. See, so badly. And I was just going, I can't wait for Benedict's story in season three. I, it's just <laughs> it's just one of my favorites. And we see him like a handful of times in this episode. And I'm just sitting going like, oh, I'm already ready. <laughs> So, so you can see us jumping ahead in our hearts, yeah, <laughs> and our mouths, everything, yeah. But so that was fun. So I, I anyway, felt, I felt good. I felt good when I well, obviously, I, I mean, we immediately went to episode two after watching that. But I felt good when the episode wrapped. 
um, I felt pretty buoyant, yeah. I think. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, um, we've decided that uh, at the end of these episodes, we are going to plug um, an independent bookstore mm-hmm. to, you know, get you to go check out the first one. And the first one I would like to plug in this episode, mm-hmm. because we are a romance podcast. Yeah, we are. I would like to plug The Ripped Bodice in L.A., Woo. which is a romance-only bookstore. Woman-owned. And they – woman-owned. And they are fantastic. So, um, I bought a bunch of Christmas gifts from them this year. I can finally say that because now Christmas is over <laughs> and I've given my gifts away. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I bought a bunch of Christmas gifts from them this year, and they're just fantastic. I, I love their website. Their Instagram is fun. Um, check them out. The it, I think the their Instagram is at the Ripped Bodice. Cool. Cool. So yeah. So I'm I'm already excited for a recommendation for next week, but uh, I've decided my recommendation for this week, um, because it's still December and this month absolutely gorgeous uh tattered cover in denver this month became the largest black owned independent bookstore um and i had the absolute delight of getting to visit the tattered cover right before lockdown hit and everything i had no idea it was it was going to happen at the time so i thought traveling was fine and uh, i actually had to go to two of their locations in denver not only are they just just gorgeous um spaces with books but the staff has really really wonderful recommendations i one book for sure that is one of my favorite books of the year i got as a recommendation from the tattered cover so that is pretty high praise um yeah i I won't go on i'll just leave it at that uh tattered cover it's very well known so i'm sure people who have ever been to denver know of it but oh my gosh yes all right okay hey lydia what are you reading um, I am, I'm currently reading, um, for my book club, I am reading The Boyfriend Project by Farah Roshan. Mm-hmm. And then I am also reading, speaking of The Ripped Bodice, I am also reading Mad and Bad, Real Heroines of the Regency by B. Coke, who is one of the co-owners of The Ripped Bodice. Nice. So, yeah, um, it seems delightful and fun and... Yeah, it's just it's all about the craziness of the Regency, which again has been very Victorianized mm-hmm. for us. So to to get a new look at it is gonna be fun. Awesome. Uh, and you, what are you reading? Yeah, I have I have a whole bunch of things that I've recently read, so I'm just gonna rattle them off. Um, I've been sort of I, I did the thing I read a really great book for book club. Uh, it was nonfiction, and then I had kind of a book hangover from that. So I've been doing a lot of rereads. I've been doing a lot of Sherry Thomas rereads, um, Elizabeth Hoyt rereads, especially like her Maiden Lane and Legend of the Four Soldiers series. Uh, but then there are three books that I recently read for the first time that I, were so delicious. Uh, obviously, Courtney Milan's latest, The Duke Who Didn't, A+. And again, I will say, warning, do not read on an empty stomach. <laughs> um, Denise Williams, How to Fail at Flirting. If you want to read a, like a romance with like, a woman like just striving to be successful in her field and like finding her footing this is the one for you uh and then finally tj clune's uh second book in the series how to be a movie star 
if you need a cathartic crying through intense laughter, <laughs> this is the one for you. I just love his stuff. It's it's really, really goofy and it's like set in like LA in a small town in Oregon and it's um really hysterically weird and funny. So I've been having, a, I guess, a good time with my reads, although I couldn't tell you what I'm reading right now because I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's us. <laughs> Oh, that was a good hour. <laughs> Hour-ish. Hour-esque. Hour plus. Uh-huh. Hour plus. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome, listeners. Hey, everyone. Thank Again, you. Again, I, I said I said I didn't think this was good, that, that we were going to make that time. And I agreed, limit, but, but I thought okay. we needed to really try because it was only an hour in the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous, but okay, we will see what we can do. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Yeah, so- There'll be a lot more to come obviously next up we are gonna do episode two shock and delight and that will be next tuesday yep yeah uh everyone please rate and subscribe let people know if uh you know people who want to talk about bridgerton's this is the place for them you can find us on instagram and facebook at calling cards pod on twitter at cards calling on our website calling slash calling cards pod uh or by emailing us at calling cards pod at gmail.com all uh, original music by Pasta Cat. Find out more by following at Pasta Cat Music on Instagram. So yeah, uh, check us out. Um, please rate and review. Uh, if you rate and review us on any of our platforms, uh, more people will be able to find us and listen to our antics. Yeah, whatever those are. Um, and all of our crazy tangents, because God forbid we stay to one mm. subject. <laughs> Mm-mm, in an episode it. no can't do it too it much pop culture happen. out there folks <laughs> too much pop culture and all pop culture at some point intertwines yeah six degrees of kevin bacon six degrees of pop culture <laughs> so um yeah email us tweet us uh check out our instagram leave a uh, comment on our website leave a comment on the website leave a comment on our facebook page interact with us we we want to hear from our listeners and yeah, yeah, we were serious about if you have segment ideas, um, if they're if they're as fabulous as we think they'll be, let us know and we'll roll them out. Tweet us or email us. Ta-da. So, 